We are starting a new sermon series today, which I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about. Um, Star of Wonder, How Christmas Lights the Way. In this sermon series, we're going to be looking at how the light of Christmas paves the way against the darkness of this world, against the darkness in our lives, against the darkness in our culture. That Christmas is, you know, you know this, right? Christmas is not just presents in a tree. It's a child come to die on a tree for us. And this I'm hoping that through this series, as we look at the the role of light in our lives, I'm praying that it does shine. And maybe for some of us, it shines for the first time. But as we're going to look at today, the light that shines, it gives us a new day. You saw this in Doug and Mindy, that this past year, God shined a new light, bringing them to a new day. And hearing what what God has called them to, I just wanted to, I want to make sure that story was shared. But hear me, you know this, right? Will your story look exactly like Doug and Mindy's? Will it? No. No. But, but, God does call us to new days. And the passage that we're going to look at today, I, I pray, reminds us of that fact for the rest of our lives. And so to, to hear the story of God's new day, we're going to go back to the beginning. Not to the beginning as in the birth of Christ. We're going to go back to the very beginning. So if you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read the first five verses. And if you're using the Bibles that we provided, or any Bibles actually, that's on page 1. Genesis, if you're unfamiliar with the story of Scripture, uh, tells, tells us about the birth of the universe and the birth of God's relationship with humankind. And so as you turn there, We're going to read the first five verses together. It will be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible in front of you, although I do encourage you to always have one in front of you. So with that, would you hear the word of the Lord? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning. The first day. As we get going this morning, if I could just summarize everything into just one simple sentence for you, it would be this. Because God said, let there be light, we can have hope for a new day. Because God said, let there be light, we can have hope for a new day. Church, listen to me, please. It does not matter what you get for Christmas if Christmas doesn't give you hope. Because God said, let there be light, we can have hope for a new day. Let's begin with prayer, and then we'll get to it. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, this Christmas season, would you bring that light into our lives, that light that you spoke into existence, that light that we see through the birth of your Son. Father, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, let this light shine. Lord, let us be lights as we walk through darkness, bringing your light everywhere we go. Let your people be shining examples. Shining examples of the gospel. 
in this world that is so dark. Father, we do pray these things in the name of the Christ child whom we worship. It's in his name we pray these things. And everyone said, amen and amen. So what I want you to see this morning is that what happened at Christmas in a way points to what happened at, or what happened at creation in a way points to what happened at Christmas. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about here. In, in creation, God speaks into the dark to bring light for the first day. But at Christmas, God steps into the dark to bring light for a new day. Because we're looking at this. Because God said, let there be light, we can have hope for a new day. We're going to look at this with just three, three points this morning as we walk through our passage. God is powerful. God is personal. And with all things, God has purpose. God is powerful. God is personal. God has purpose. He is purposeful. All right, so first thing, God is powerful. Our verse begins, our passage begins like this. In the beginning, God, who was already there, God created the heavens and the earth. So as you talk about God being powerful here, I just, I want to ask you, what's the most powerful thing you have ever witnessed or encountered? I'm not talking powerful as in like emotionally moving, like the birth of your first child or something like that. I'm saying raw, real power like a bomb or a tornado. And listen, I know that there's some people here with history where a question like that is reminiscent of like trauma. So I don't ask that lightly, but I'm asking you, when we talk about power, what is the most powerful thing you have ever firsthand witnessed or encountered? I want you to think about it for a moment. Try to, try to encapsulate it into one word. Turn to your neighbor and tell him what that word is. Interesting. You know, sometimes when I ask you to turn to your neighbor, I I can't get you to stop talking. I wonder. I'll give you my word. My word is earthquake. Earthquake. Now, listen here. I'm a tried and true West Michigan boy. We don't have earthquakes here. I don't know about earthquakes. But a few years ago, I was in Alaska visiting one of our missionaries, the Overbeaks. I was with my buddy Dan Van Cocker, who's on our missions committee. We were up there, and before we flew to Kodiak, we were actually staying in Anchorage, and we were staying at a safe house for missionaries uh, while we had a day before we went to Kodiak. And this, on that, this just so happened that one day, we were, it was early in the morning, we are about to walk out of the house, we are going to go get some coffee for, the, for breakfast, and I was walking down the stairs of the safe house, and I, I, I noticed, like, I just heard like, kind of like a rumble, and I remember seeing this chandelier that was hanging there just start to shake. And I got to like the doorway and the place was just like, just really had a, like just was kind of shaking. And I remember thinking there must be a train behind the building. That was my first reaction. And the guy whose house was the, we were staying at, he says, it's an earthquake. Now, listen, I, I've never experienced an earthquake. I've never haven't since. I don't know what to do in earthquakes, okay? I mean, maybe they told us in school one time, but I don't remember that. Like, so I did what I thought I should do. This place is shaking. I'm thinking, I don't want to be in here. So I ran out into the parking lot. I ran out to the parking lot, and it was dark, and I remember just kind of being able to like see everything around me, doing everything it should not be doing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, 
street lamps were just shaking. I saw this big truck just going, just shaking. The ground was moving. Listen, the ground's not supposed to move. Like, there's a reason we say things are grounded because it's meant to be stable and secure. But it wasn't. It was shaking. I remember just thinking, I, this is power that is beyond me. Power that can make all of this happen. Like, this is beyond. This is beyond me. Uh, it ended up being registered a 7.3 earthquake. Uh, my first and only ever earthquake. I'm pretty, pretty proud of that one, to be honest with you. But when I think about an earthquake like that, and then I think about the power of that, but then I go back to Genesis chapter 1, the, the power of an earthquake, listen, we, we can get our heads around that. We can describe that. We can, we can measure that. But the power of Genesis chapter 1 is beyond comprehension. The Bible even speaks to this. Romans chapter 1 says, For God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. It goes on to say, So that people are without excuse. Just look at the beauty and the power of the galaxy and the universe around us. Whether you believe that happened 5,000 years ago or 14 billion years ago, whatever you believe, the power still reverberates. It still is to be held. This is beyond comprehension. It still is with us. The Bible says just look around. Look at the wonder and the beauty of creation. The world and the universe around us. His power is on display. You can still see it even now. And God just spoke this into existence. I'm sure it was quite a bang. I'm going to show you a picture of our sun, our beautiful little star that the Lord has given us for warmth and light. I'm also going to show you our sun in size comparison to the earth. Here's our sun. Do you guys see earth? Can you guys see that? Uh, Look at here. It's right here, right at the 9 o'clock. Can you guys see that little little blue speck there? The, The sun is enormous. The sun is enormous, and it's so far away, it takes light almost eight minutes to get to us. So the sun that you see in the, in the sky, that's the sun as it was eight minutes ago. This, our sun is, is, is huge. Mind you, there are seven billion people on this planet, and we are just a speck compared to the sun. Well, as, as our telescopes get bigger and our understanding of the universe grows and we're seeing farther and farther, we, we right now, we, we, ha- we have what we know to be the largest star that we can see. It's, it's a star called Stevenson 218. And I'm going to show you that sun in comparison to, or that star in comparison to our star, the sun. Now, again, keep in mind Earth's size compared to our sun. Now, look at our sun compared to that star. This thing, we don't have the capacity to understand how big this is. The size of this star, it challenges our known theories of science. Like it, this, it's bigger than what we, it, what we see it to be is bigger than what we can understand it to be. In fact, I mean, if you know anything about our, our, our own solar system, if you took Stevenson 218 and placed it to where our sun is, the radius, the size of this thing would go beyond Saturn. We don't have the mental capacity 
to begin to understand how large this thing is. It takes light nine hours just to travel all the way around it. This thing is enormous. It's so ridiculously big. And yet when you look at this sun or this star and you scale back to, what we, to the observable universe, everything we know to be out there, this thing doesn't even register as a pixel on that map. The universe is eerily big. It is beyond comprehension. It is unnervingly enormous how big this universe is. It's pathetic for a human to try to, under, to try to even say they understand how big this universe is. And therefore, all the more so how pathetic it is for a human to even begin to understand the power of God, that he would speak and this would come into existence. That he holds all of this in the palm of his hand. The power that God has. I mean, the, the, the theological word is omnipotence. It's a fancy word that just means God is all-powerful. There's no weakness in him. God being all-powerful is unnerving. And if you don't feel that, you're, you're not even close to understanding what we're talking about here. But while the power of God is so unnerving, it actually should also be very comforting. We can have hope in God because he's all-powerful because he holds the universe in the palm of his hands, whatever brokenness and darkness we see out there, it's not beyond God's power. And if you ever doubt that, just look into the night sky. The creation of the universe is mind-boggling. That God could create all of this with just a word, but yet it points to the equally incomprehensible notion of the incarnation. That this God who created everything would step into what he has created. That is what we are celebrating at Christmas. That little, that little figure in your nativity scene, that is the God of all creation taking human form, stepping into the creation. God has the universe under his control. He is all-powerful, but the nativity and Christmas and creation reminds us that he's also personal. In the darkness of creation, God was there to bring the heavens and the earth into existence. He was there. He didn't create slaves to go and do it. He didn't tell the angels to build it. He was present there. He's, he was there. He spoke this into existence, and he did it with the words, let there be light. And in my mind, this is not just like a flash of white light. In my mind, when God created this, like every color exploded into existence. And dazzling brilliance shooting out to the every far reaches of the cosmos. All the colors that there are, both the ones that we can see and the ones that we cannot see. But he was there. He was present. It says that darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I mean, just try to imagine that for a moment. What was the sound of that like? These unformed waters. The universe in its infancy, not even formed yet, and God is there hovering. What was that sound like? And then he speaks. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I mean, what language was it? Was it actually Hebrew, what it's recorded in? What language was it? Was it a language that only God uses? What was the syntax like? What was the sentence structure like? I mean, was there an accent? I mean, what did this sound like? This is beautiful. Put yourself there for a moment. 
God said, let there be lights. I think if we grasp and understand the first five verses of Genesis, you would never fear again. Who has read the, uh, the Narnia series? Anyone here ever read the Narnia series? So I'm saying the whole entire series. Who's read the whole entire series? Okay, let's go back. Who's read The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe? The most famous of it. Okay, a lot of us. So you guys know this was written by C.S. Lewis. Narnia series. It's a great, great series. Uh, number of books in this series. My favorite book in this series is a book called The Magician's Nephew. Thank you, somebody. What I love about The Magician's Nephew, it's not the first one to be written, but it's the first one chronologically. The Magician's uh, Nephew tells us the story of, of humanity, of, of, of the first humans going to the mythical land of Narnia. And for those of you who don't know, Narnia is ruled by the great lion Aslan. And so what we have is we have these two friends, Diggory and Polly, with Diggory's uncle. They go to Narnia before it's actually formed. And if you watch the story, there's, there's a funny encounter that a cab driver actually gets taken along the way. So there's a cab driver, an uncle, and then Diggory and Polly, and they go to this world that's all black. And they hear Narnia be brought into existence. And I, I just want to take a moment, I want to read to you this, this encounter. Because I think the creation of Narnia, in a way, gives us a beautiful picture of our, the story of our own creation. So, it's all dark, and we find our four people in the darkness of what will be Narnia. And listen, listen to this story. Hush, said the cabbie, and they all listened. In the darkness, something was happening at last. A voice begun to sing. It was very far away, and Diggory found it hard to decide from what direction it was coming. Sometimes it seemed to come from all directions at once. Sometimes he almost thought it was coming out of the earth beneath him. Its lower notes were deep enough to be the voice of the earth herself. There were no words. There was hardly even a tune, but it was, beyond comparison, the most beautiful noise he had ever heard. It was so beautiful he could hardly bear it. Goodness said the cabbie. Ain't it lovely? Then two wonders happened at the exact same moment. One was that the voice was suddenly joined by other voices, more voices than you could possibly count. They were in harmony with it, but far higher up on the scale, cold, tingly, silver voices. The second wonder was that the blazing blackness overhead all at once was blazing with stars. They didn't come out gently one by one as they do on a summer evening, though. One moment, there had been nothing but darkness. The next moment, a thousand, thousand points of light leaped out. Single stars, constellations, planets, brighter and bigger than any in our world. And there were no clouds. The new stars and the new voices began at the exact same time. If you had heard it, as Diggory did, you would have felt quite certain that it was the stars themselves which were singing and that it was the first voice, the deep one, which had made them all appear and made them sing. Glory be, said the cabbie. I'd have been a better man all my life if I'd known there were things like this. You see, witnessing the beauty and the power of creation gave the cab driver such an, an inspiring sense of wonder. To see beauty and design unfold like that, it shows that the world does have meaning and purpose. I love this line. 
I'd have been a better man all my life if I'd known there were things like this. If you truly understood and grasped the beauty and the power of just Genesis 1-1, you'd have been a better man all your life. If you truly grasped and understood the beauty and the wonder and the power of creation, I'm telling you right now, you would never fear. You would only have hope. You'd only have hope if you believe these first first words of Genesis. When God said, let there be light, not only did he usher in white light, but God painted the universe with all of the colors there are. Listen to me, this is the God that we worship. This is the God who stepped out of heaven into earth to come to be present with us. Just as he personally spoke into the darkness of the universe, listen to me, he speaks into the darkness that you are facing. The darkness that covers your life, God is there present and he's speaking into it with the same power and wonder and beauty that he did at Genesis 1. When the world falls apart as it most certainly is doing, when your world falls apart and you feel like there's nothing left, when you look around you and all there is is darkness, Genesis 1 Christmas reminds us that God is there, present in your life, speaking into the darkness. In creation, we see the God who is there. But at Christmas, we see the God who is with us. Jesus is called Emmanuel. Im El. Im is Hebrew for with or with us. El is the shortened form of Elohim, which means God. Jesus is Emmanuel, God who is with us, the God who has come to us. God is so personal. He does not just speak from heaven. He's stepped into his own creation to be with us and to save us. Why? Because everything God does, he has purpose. The purpose of Christmas is that Jesus would be born to come and to save us. Let's go back. Genesis 4 and, uh, 1, 4 and 5. God is purposeful. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. We see God begin to structure his creation. He forms it and then he starts to create it and he brings structure to it, declaring what is good, bringing order from chaos. There's light and there's day. There's morning. Do you know what's uh, really annoying? It's when your car or your truck doesn't work. You know what I'm talking about? Who's ever dealt with that problem in the last week or so? I got my hand up because I've dealt with that in the last week or so. It's just not any fun, but what do you do, right? You got to diagnose what's wrong, and then you got to fix it. You got to put the car or your truck back into alignment with how it was designed to run. You diagnose the problem, and then you fix it. This is called adulting. (laughs) But when life and the world is out of control— and things are not going according to plan. You have to diagnose what's wrong before you can fix it. But our world fails to see that the reason things are broken is because we're not following God's design. We're not living according to his structure and his purpose. And we need to let God's light shine. Listen to me, that's more than just a nice little statement that God's light needs to shine. When God's light shines, 
As we see in Genesis 1, that's God bringing order and structure to his creation. So when we say we need to let God's light shine, yes, in a sense that needs to expose the darkness, but also that should call us back into alignment with how God has called and designed things, whether that's your life or our life or the world around us. You see, the light brings order from chaos. If your life is out of control, I'm willing to bet it's because you're not following God's design. So who has, um, who's all done already here on, what is, this, what is today, December 4th or 5th, something like that? 5th. Who is done with their Christmas shopping right now? Let me see. Let me see. What do you guys even do on Christmas Eve if you're not last minute shopping? <laughs> who's still got some Christmas shopping yet to do? Okay, who hasn't even started yet? Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna maybe just uh, submit to you a suggestion for a Christmas gift. Especially if you have little kids in your life. Maybe, um, maybe you just had some little kids, or maybe you got some niece and nephews. Maybe you got some grandkids, either here or on the way, or for some of you, great-grandkids. Here's, here's what I'd, I'd suggest to you. Um, give them the gift of reading to them. Sitting them on your lap and reading to them. Don't just shove an electronic in their face to go and pacify them. Like, put them on your lap and read them a book. And I want to give you a suggestion for a, a little kid book. Um, it's this one here. It's called The Lightlings. It's by a great theologian who's uh, no longer with us now, but his name is R.C. Sproul. And uh, this is a great, great book. And it talks about God's light and how God's light was meant to shine and how, how we've become, how many of us have uh, become fearful of the light and how God wins us back from the darkness. It's a great little story. Uh, it's very quick, easy read, but it's really profound. I would, I would uh, suggest this to you. I, in fact, I want to uh, just show you a, a verse, or not a verse, but a, a line from this that I think is really, really great. Grandpa said, Charlie... We're afraid of the dark because we were made to live in the light. I've, got, um, I've actually got two copies here, the brand new copies. I'd love to, to give this to somebody or a couple people in here. As long as you promise to, A, give this to a child, and before you give it to them, you pull them up on your lap and you read it to them. Uh, if you need, you need a Christmas gift, if, you're running, if you know me, you've got a Christmas party coming up, i got a couple copies here. Would love, would love to give you a copy. It's a great book. It would be a great, great Christmas gift. Again, this, this talks about God's great light and how we're called to live into that light. It also gives, it talks about the Christmas story and how Jesus brought light. We're afraid of the dark because we were made to live in the light. Right? This is the great purpose of our lives, to bring glory to God by living in the light of his glory. I'm going to say that again because I think somebody needs to hear that. This is the great purpose of our lives, to bring glory to God by living in the light of his glory that reflects this glory to the world and back to him. But we know there's a problem with this, and it's called sin. See, sin is when we try to step away from God's light. We try to go to our own design, not his design. We turn our back on the light, and we usher in darkness that shrouds our lives and our world in blackness, and darkness. We will live against God's commands. When God has called us to live in the light, the light that God has given to us, 
is the light that calls us out of darkness. It's the light that saves us from our sins, and it's given through his son, Jesus. The Bible says that when Jesus came, that the true light has come into the world. My friends, this is what we celebrate at Christmas. That God, who created all the heavens and the earth, who spoke this into existence, unveiling all the colors that the eye can see and cannot see, this God left heaven to step into his creation to save us, to be with us, to call us out of darkness, to separate us from the darkness, just as on the first day he separated light from the darkness. He has come to separate us out. This is what it means to be saved. You can't be saved and stay in darkness and stay in your sin. When we place our faith in Jesus, God separates us out from that. You're no longer in the darkness. The sin is behind you. This is what Christ did on the cross. He came to pay the penalty, to take the darkness. That's why for hours during the crucifixion, darkness covered the world. Because Jesus was paying the penalty for our sin so that we no longer live in darkness, but we live in that light, that same light that God first spoke, that sin has shrouded, that Jesus came to bring again. This is the new day that God is calling us to. Maybe for you, Maybe for you who is in a venue or you are online, maybe for you in here, this new light is the light of salvation. You place your faith in the risen Jesus, the Jesus that was born on Christmas, that came and lived and died for us. You place your faith in him so that just as he triumphed over Satan, sin, and death, you would feel that victory in your own life. It's time for you to get in here, for you to be brought down into your sin but washed away have your sins washed away through baptism. And you know what? You know what this thing reminds me of? This reminds me of my childhood. This reminds me of chores. This is what I'd call this thing a horse trough back in the day. You know what I'm talking about? And I know that when we think of chores, we think of negative things, but I'm telling you now, a chore is a responsibility. And this should remind you, oh Christian, of your responsibility. You have friends and family who need to take a trip into here. So this Christmas, would you make that the focus of shining your light? But maybe God has called you to a new day, and it's the first day of your salvation. Place your faith in Jesus and embrace the love that God has for you. Or maybe your new day, and I'm willing to bet this could be more than just a few of us here. Maybe the new day that God has called you to is it's time to get off the sidelines. It's time to get into the game. It's time to actually take the salvation that you have and do something with it. These gifts that God has given you, it's time to use those for his glory. So whether this new day that God has called you to is the new day of salvation or the new day of getting off the sidelines, let today be a new day for you. Because God said, let there be light, we can have the hope for a new day. Amen.